When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We welcome in Brandon Vogel with Cowderreed, Cowderreed.com. Vogues is hunkered down. Vogues, um, I'll send you a screenshot of the backyard. It's glorious. Uh, there's an at-at in, in my backyard. Uh, I know you and I are both fans of Empire Strikes Back. Uh, that is the, uh, the Planet Hoth outlook today. Nebraska basketball, Nebraska volleyball. So can you share with Husker fans the, the next Portal edition that uh, you have your ears on for counter read. Can you cheer some big red fans up this morning? Tough Friday. <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, I don't, I don't, if I, if I knew, um, I'd, I'd probably be able to, to turn that into uh, some sort of college service. Uh, if, I, if I was the <laughs> accurate, accurate portal predictor, but uh, rough Friday, uh, maybe just, maybe just a, a rough week overall, minus at least post Tuesday in terms of the weather you guys got. And then, uh, Nebraska goes to Iowa, which <laughs> we've, we've all spent a lot of time talking and I wrote about it a little bit this week about, you know, your nature as a Nebraska basketball follower is like, you wait for the other shoe to drop yep. and that's kind of my nature anyway, from a statistical standpoint and kind of wrote about some of the things that yeah, maybe, maybe this Nebraska piece is sustainable. And I, and I do think it, it probably is. It probably is more than just one game scenario, but you go to Iowa in the middle of a snowstorm, it's a small crowd. You're, you're coming off the Purdue, not making, not making excuses because that's, that's kind of what was really lost last night is like, you know what? You have all of these reasons that this could be kind of a sleepy game and good teams find a way to do it anyway. Like it's, it's easy to come back off the Wisconsin. Well, I shouldn't say it's easy. It's easier come back off the Wisconsin loss, have a great two days of practice to get up for the number one team in the country. This is harder. And, and Nebraska, Nebraska didn't pass the harder test shot 60% from three against Purdue, 15% against Iowa puts them at 36 over the two games. Anyone want to guess what their season percentage is? It's about 35. Mm-hmm. The numbers, the numbers, sometimes they come for us all. It doesn't always work that neatly, <laughs> but in this case yeah. it did. Yeah. And Brandon Vogel with us. And uh, now Brandon, did you play basketball growing up as a, as a Tyke in Hemingford? And you were one of the better basketball players from that region, if I recall, correct? University yes. of Hastings starting right. point guard. Okay. So, okay. Far far from far from the starting point guard. I, my career capped out. I, I was a thousand point scorer in high school. Uh, okay. Made okay. it that far. Then you can explain because you're the only one on here that has played competitive <laughs> basketball. How many how shots come, did you how many shots did you take to get the thousand Vogues? That was on six hundred shots. Shot an extremely <laughs> high percentage. I love that. That's so good. <laughs> okay. How come how come? How come when a team springs a 2-3 zone, and this isn't just Nebraska last night. This is basketball across the board. Like teams that are well-conditioned, that practice every day, that have like Hall of Fame coaches, somebody springs a 2-3 zone on you, and it's like, ah! And they just don't know how to deal with it. Why, 
why is it such a shock to the system? And why does it just completely shut you down as an offense for at least like three, four, five possessions every time? That's a great question. And one I hadn't thought about much because when you start playing basketball at six, seven, eight, whatever it is, the first defense you see, you probably spend 90% of your first six years playing basketball just seeing a two, three zone because it's like easy to explain to, to a kid. Um, and, you know, I, I think, I think maybe some of those tendencies from the very early days are still there. Like, you game plan, you have all of these things at your disposal as a major college team, but it becomes easy to kind of stop moving and, and, and wait around against a zone. Um, I think that's kind of the primary advantage. I don't know if I have a better explanation other than that, because at this stage, like, you know how to attack it. You've, you've been taught um, what, what you're going to do against zone. And it, and it shouldn't even be that unexpected. Like any team can jump into a two, three yeah. zone. You don't have to be vintage Syracuse to, to do it well. Right. Um, so I don't know. It just, uh, I mean, I think when you, when you look at that Iowa game and, and you boil it down, like the shooting, the defense, that's all, that's all a big part of it. Like ultimately the effort, it, it was lacking for Nebraska. And that's, uh, I don't know if it, it needs a, <laughs> needs a much more elegant description than that. And also having played competitively like that, uh, I mean, it, it was obvious their legs were dead. Like, yeah. right. Like there's, there's just, and that happens, right. Especially in basketball, like after a, they gave maximum effort against Purdue. I mean, those dudes were sweating bullet. All of them were drenched in sweat, crazy amount of effort. I mean, is it is it maybe as simple as that? Like the guys just not recovered, gave too much effort. I don't know. It could be a little bit of that. Uh, I know Hoiberg mentioned it after that that Purdue game of like, hey, this is another tight turnaround for us. You know, I think another thing um, is Nebraska hasn't won on the road in the Big Ten. I don't think, if I'm remembering their schedule correctly, they went on the road. They are zero and three on the yeah. road. Only Wisconsin is has a. Uh, above 500 record on the road. Everybody yep. else is either one and one or worse in the Big Ten on the road in conference. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's that's at least a little bit better. <laughs> at least it, it might be a Big Ten thing to a certain degree. But, hey, if uh, – yeah, Jocko. Um, if if Nebraska is going to be an NCAA tournament team, like they're going to have to figure out a way. And in, in games like this where the motivation doesn't come off the shelf, uh, maybe the legs are a little bit heavy to, to win away from home because that, you know, that's kind of another it kind of bookends uh, or echoes the, that Purdue game. Like it's easy to get up for the one, number one team in the country, it's especially easy to do it at home. Um, Nebraska really feeds off those, those crowds, which is credit to Husker fans, but you want to be, you want to be good. You want to be top half in the big 10. You got to win some of these games that are, are ugly and, and not a lot of fun. You know, Iowa may put a bit of a run together, and I know this is somewhat of a rebuilding Iowa team. And I'm uh, Nebraska, I think, is still okay. Mm-hmm. You, you look, it's hoops, man. It's very yeah. You, you look, you look a little bit like a one-hit wonder, okay? Versus stacking the um, the the wins and going on the road after after shocking number one, but. Um, they're okay. They got to regroup for Rutgers and play better. And it, you know, if you lose and Iowa shoots lights out on contested threes, that's one thing. If you uh, 
have bad rotation and, and, to, and worse shot selection. That's what pisses Nebraska basketball fans off and just Nebraska fans in general. Uh, and we'll see if they get better at it. Vogues, I want to get your take on uh, the polar bear and, and Iowa-Nebraska wrestling last night. Uh, I respect the hell out of wrestling. I don't know it as well as some other sports. My brother-in-law, Uncle Andy, went and he actually sat with uh, Polar Bear's dad. They were they went to the match last night, and you know it was one to one. And then in the last second, uh, the Iowa dude got the the win, and that was that was uh, Polar Bear's first loss in his life. Uh, <laughs> I, I I'm I'm shocked to, to utter that outside, but it happened. Yeah, it it did happen. Um, great. I was only able to catch pieces of it, um, but great overall duel. I mean, Nebraska's number four in the country. I I often think for much of the Big Ten era, well, particularly lately, you know, I think there was a little bit of an adjustment period. What Mark Manning does with that team on an annual basis is – it's a little bit easy to overlook if you're not like seeking it out. Um, you know, wrestling, it's not a sport that I know as well. In fact, as a part of the reason I, I played so much basketball is because I was terrified <laughs> of wrestling. Not afraid to admit, <laughs> not afraid to admit that. Um, but um, I did wrestle for a couple of years. It was not, not a fun time for me. Um, <laughs> is, you know, wrestling is kind of outside that typical news cycle, but also in, in the Big Ten, Iowa and Penn State are such kind of titans yeah. of, of the sport that, that Nebraska could be number four, and, you know, and it can it can give Iowa everything it wants and, and not just quite get over the hump, you know, um, beating one of those two programs in, in a in a match like that or a meet like that is probably, you know, then we might see Nebraska get, get its due. Although it's kind of hard to say that when you see the number of people that are showing up to these, these home duels, I know Aaron Sorensen, my colleague at counter read spoke with, with Manning earlier this year. And, you know, if Nebraska could, they're, they're limited on the number of duels they can host. And I know that's not an issue, but a sticking point, like, because Nebraska could could draw a ton of people for wrestling if they if they I mean they already do but if they had more home dates um, Big Ten schedule just doesn't kind of allow for it at the moment. I I don't know enough about wrestling too. I think we've all established that we are not wrestling experts here. Uh, but in the Twitter sphere and elsewhere last night, saw a lot of complaints about Nebraska's conditioning level compared to Iowa's. I, again, I know you don't know enough about wrestling, <laughs> but from what you saw, agree with that? Is there something? Is there something to that? That seemed to be a pretty consistent criticism. Yeah, I, I honestly don't don't know well enough because <laughs> I, I kind of come in like the average person. I think the person I was just men- mentioning, like Iowa's quality, is just kind of assumed um, sure. given their given their track record. So I'll, I'll leave that to the people who probably watch way more college wrestling than than I do. Um, but you know, like it's, it's unfortunate for Nebraska not to, not to kind of get one finally against the Hawkeyes, but I don't look at that result and be like, Oh, that, that was unfortunate or unfair, you know, minus, minus the fact that Iowa came away with a team win. I kind of look at it as that's, that's a pretty solid result for, for a team. You know, it, it looked like, it looked like a duel between two of the top five teams in the country. Hmm. 
I mean, whenever you look at, at wrestling and, and basketball last night, football uh, just a couple of months ago, that where the Iowa women's team is at right now, is it time for Trev Alberts to evaluate where Iowa is as a program when making decisions <laughs> about the Husker Athletic Department? Never again. <laughs> that, that didn't go so well last time, but I, I see your point. Um, I mean, we've got volleyball. Uh, Iowa Damn. still never still never beat Nebraska in volleyball. There's, there's that. Um, but I mean, it's 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 an interesting question. I know you know it was a little bit tongue in cheek, but when you when you stop and look at it, like, are we still twelve or thirteen years into this? Like, just looking at the advantage of having been in the Big Ten versus being a newcomer. I mean, Nebraska doesn't feel like a newcomer, but it's had so much change, you know, at, at various levels and positions. Not just AD, but that's the big one since 2011 maybe there's something to it maybe it's just you know i was i was made some 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 better better decisions when it's when it's had the opportunity to i mean not having having football as a constant i think is not having to change coaches outside of the offensive coordinator um is is probably an underrated thing when you look at the overall health of athletic departments that's my theory anyway the old words of Sean Eichhorst for those that are under mm-hmm. 10 years old that might not know that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was 2014, had to ev- evaluate where I was at. Okay, when, when we switch to football and look at it um, in the transfer portal, in the NIL era, you know, I was trying to explain that to a, to a friend that doesn't follow football very well, just like how much of a Wild West it is right now to where, you know, the, uh, I, I guess the, the, the world order of college football is up for grabs. Um, for many reasons, and we still got to get into all the coaching changes that have been happening too. But sick of just with NIL, just with transfer portal, you know, Nebraska needed to get receiver help clearly, needed to replace some linebacking play clearly, uh, needed to find a, a running back, definitely. Um, could use some help on the offensive line. They did all of it. I mean, it was like, it was like a bulleted list. It was, it was like best case scenario of what Nebraska wanted to do in the transfer portal actually happened. I don't know yeah. if you could expect that in the non NIL era. What do you make of what Nebraska was able to just acquire uh, here in the last? Well, couple of weeks? just just what you said. You know, with the the week that the portal opened, I kind of put together what I thought the punch list was, and at that point, it was pre. Dylan Riola. So, so quarterback was at the top. Um, if, if we assume, and I think this is the way the coaching staff is going, that Riola checks that box without going into the portal. Then next on the list was wide receiver. I think my middle group was kind of running back O-line and linebacker, and they hit all of those. The rest was kind of like, ah, if you find a guy um, who, who you really like, you'll take them, but you don't need to. So, in terms of in terms of the checklist, uh, I think they I think they they ticked every box. They did it, you know. I think with with their way, um, you know, they didn't they didn't do a bunch of chasing. They had that kind of big visit weekend um, last weekend, and that's where the bulk of the class comes from. Um, like got them all. Yep. Yeah. Got them all. Um, Perfect. So, you know, it's, I think it speaks well to their ability to, well, obviously their ability to close, um, but also to get people on, on campus. And, you know, it was, 
these these weren't on campus visits back when Nebraska was uh, checking on the quarterbacks, but they got into some conversations with guys reportedly, uh, you know, based on where we knew the the coaches were at with guys that was a little bit surprised they got into conversations with. So all in all, I think in terms of the curb appeal uh, in this portal era for for Nebraska football after year one uh, feels feels pretty strong. Bogle with us here, a Husker hangover Saturday on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, whenever you look back to where we're at December 1st, it really feels like Nebraska's filled all the holes that we had laid out. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Those are kind of the, the, the top spots. And hey, if you get an offensive lineman too, that'd be great. Nebraska's filled those holes. With that being said, what question marks still remain for you on this Husker roster? As you look at the, the totality of the roster, what, what do you want to see more of in the spring? Where do you think we might see some help coming if you had to to, to pick a spot where there are still question marks for you? Um, I mean, I, I don't look at the roster and go going into spring uh, and say, well, you, you're you don't have enough depth. I mean, I think I think spring is really going to be for me, at least about two things is I, I don't have concerns about depth because of how much the staff has talked about sort of the younger group of guys. I mean, we saw more than we typically do play right away, but there are still a good number of guys in reserve. So there's, you know, I don't know, a third of the roster when you factor in redshirt freshmen and, and however many early enrollees they, they end up with. Um, that's kind of unseen. Um, but I think from the guys that we did see play as true freshmen, you feel good about the the quality of the class so far. Now we understand that that's the top end. That's why they play right away. But I think that was encouraging. The other huge question, I think, and this probably determines what happens in the late April transfer window is, is what do we see at quarterback? Like does, you know, they've got a, they've got a lot invested in, and not just literally, but figuratively a lot invested in, in Dylan Riola. And that makes sense, you know, based on who he is, his, his skill set, what we think we know about him as a high school player. Um, how does that play out? Does it look like, yep. Uh, everything we thought it was, uh, does that, if that's the case, does it lead to further attrition at that position? Um, so I think like, pointing towards April. We'll see what happens in spring. Um, Nebraska will probably have an addition or two to make in that window. Um, and and we'll see. But going into spring, there's nothing that jumps out to me is like with the additions that they've made that says, oh, you're gonna need you're gonna need more help there. You've got a plug and play guy in, in Mazuka at guard, right? You were wondering about that other guard spot or you 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 wanted to make an addition there. You got Dowdell at running back. You've got two older guys that are different but wonderful body types with Nayor, uh, kind of your jet sweep guy, and Banks, your Brendan Kitty. Let's go lock somebody up on third and eight and find a way to get to the sticks. Uh, and then you got uh, Thompson at linebacker that started as a freshman. Uh, the other dude out there on the radar is a freshman from USC at linebacker that Nebraska may be looking at. This is a great collection by by rule and staff. They're on the recruiting trail, weather permitting, uh, you know, for 2025 right now for some visits. Um, Vogues, is it going to just come down to turnovers again? Because you've got some nice pieces 
um, and you're going to bring in a quarterback's coach. You might have an analyst named Dana. I mean, it, it I mean, Nebraska isn't joking around with the targeting they've done in the portal and then what they presumably want to do uh, to, to beef up their, their offense. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing that aside from just how neatly it kind of fit the, the checklist of what Nebraska needed, the thing that I like about this class is other than Dowdell, um, there's proven production there from all of those guys. And I'm in the process of putting together kind of a big uh, spreadsheet on transfers, you know, not, not just in Nebraska, but broadly, um, power five at least to kind of see what works like what is it is it you know the the guys who were highly recruited maybe didn't find the right spot um but you thought were talented coming out or are you better off you know what what do guys who are maybe moving up a level or you know had nearly a thousand yard seasons at 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 wyoming um the proven production piece of it uh matters a lot to me and i guess i'm going out to find to find the numbers that <laughs> will either say yeah that's that's the right way or it's the wrong way um so that'll be coming at some point this month on on counter read but yeah does it just come down to turnovers uh, i mean boy wouldn't it be great if nebraska just had a season where they're like plus minus two something normal just normal normal yep. yeah which you know would would be a huge improvement from a year a year ago like if that happens you know we'd be talking about how much nebraska improved in that regard much less if you know they ended up plus six seven eight something like that um that's that's a big piece of any season i mean i think the the big one for me too will just be what what level of quarterback player you're gonna get and and that's the one that you theoretically have some control over based on the guys you select and the instruction you give them um so We'll see. Like I said, I mean, Dylan Raiola as a five-star, like this isn't something we deal with <laughs> almost never at, at Nebraska. Uh-huh. Um, so it's almost, it's, you haven't seen the five-star flameouts, but you also haven't seen the five-star success stories. It's tough to have a local comparison for it, but those guys are five-stars for a reason. Like they start out with a higher expectation. Yeah. Brandon Vogel with us and, Brandon, if we zoom way out and look at college football, I think we've observed over the years that, hey, once transfer portal and NIL became a thing, it's like those kind of benefit Nebraska. Nebraska will Nebraska will have some money for this thing. Um, so that's good. But now you look at what's happening at the very top of the food chain with Nick Saban retiring and the trickle-down effect that's going to have. What do you think that does to the college football world order over the next few years and does Nebraska benefit from some of these musical chairs? Um, It it definitely has. I I mean, I think any team that's in Nebraska's position where you're trying to be, well, I mean, the the model's changing too of like, can you be one of 12 best teams or 11 best power, power five teams, like get to the playoff, I think is going to become our new marker. Um, So that helps a Nebraska, a usurper, um, a, a program that needs to to clear some hurdles to to be part of that group again. Um, I think anytime you have a coaching change at uh, in Alabama, or this was true when Urban Meyer left Ohio State, and I mean Ryan Day's record is insane for for any place, but you know at, at a place like Ohio State, it's like well you lost to Michigan three times. Uh, people are starting to get a little bit antsy. It just introduces uncertainty at a place, Alabama, 
where there was none. I mean, that's what Saban did to you. Like the seven titles, of course, speak to speak to what he did, but they were Alabama was just a given. And, and that doesn't happen very often. And, you know, talked about it a lot over the past year and a half uh, on this show. Like you won't find a bigger Kalen DeBoer fan than, than me. Um, so I think Alabama did as well as they could when you're trying to replace a Nick Saban, but you just look at his record. I think his winning percentage is like 87%, something close to that. Like odds are the next guy's just not going to do that. I mean, Kalen DeBoer can be great win 80% of his games and that's probably good enough, but it's still going to be like, well, it's, it's, it's more losses than, than Alabama has been used to, which is insane to say. So Mm. more immediately, um, it made Washington weaker, (laughs) new, new conference, conference foe. And, and we'll see, it looks like, well, I'll be interested in what the Huskies are able to do to replace DeBoer because it looks like the knock-on effect, which I thought had the potential to be massive with, with Saban. But if it goes Saban, DeBoer, and uh, Washington ends up with somebody like a Barry Odom, which I don't think would be a bad hire, um, you know, maybe it ends with UNLV. But it's there's it, it opens things up, I guess, is the short answer. Sorry, that was a very long one. Um, but I, I think about this stuff a lot. It, it introduced uncertainty at the top program over the past decade and a half. Uh, it impacts the Big Ten directly. Those things, none, neither of those things are bad for a team like Nebraska or anyone else that's trying to get there. Vogues, are you surprised or not at all? I mean, I think anyone who looks at that Alabama job and you had Lanning and you had Sark probably get an overture. Uh, one guy's from the SEC that's done really well at Oregon in a short time. Great mentality and kind of tough-nosed approach for a Pac-12. Um, you know, Tuck uh, makes a biblical reference. <laughs> he, he probably isn't that far off. But are you surprised DeBoer jumped at this? And on one coin, side of the coin, I'm not because, like, that's that's been him. The guy is climbed the ladder and grinded it out. He paid his dues and he's been amazing. So he has absolutely earned this and he is getting paid uh, and he was getting paid at Washington, but it was like 4.2 million, which still sounds awesome. Um, are you surprised he, he, he left Washington for Bama because of that shadow of Saban or the shadow of Alabama, or is this right up his, uh, wheelhouse uh, from from what you've been able to glean or or observe from DeBoer. Uh, I think it's a great hire by Bama, but the expectation of the fan base is this monster he's going to have to keep at bay. Yeah, um, I would have put I would have put DeBoer in the same kind of category I would have put Lanning in where those guys both have gotten things going at good football schools on the West Coast at a very quick level. Um, you know, we're already seeing a lot of people think Oregon might be the favorite in the Big Ten next year. Washington wasn't going to be that. They had a lot to replace. Um, but they were both guys that I kind of – they had this thing where it's like they might just be happy there. And, and you know, the following saving piece of it might be a, a determining factor there. With Sarkeesian at Texas um, – 
what can't he do at Texas that he could do at Alabama? And you get to avoid the whole, I'm not following, following the legend, the Norvell piece of it. Like, um, he just that went been, it, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. That was kind of where that starts. And also he has the same agent as Nick Saban, uh, <laughs> the three people getting massive raises out of this. I don't think Lanning has yet, um, it, which unless I, I, I missed it, but uh, three people, well, Norville and Sark got big raises. DeBoer, huge raise. You got the Alabama job, all represented by the same guy. Curious how that works. Who also Ooh. represented Nick Saban. Lanning, Ooh. not represented by Jimmy Sexton. Um, so that's a little inside baseball, but there were – I think there were two types of coaches who could handle the Saban piece of this. And, and, and it's there. There's a Lane Kiffin type or, you know, I, I don't think this was ever reality, but like a coach Deion Sanders where they're just like, like, we don't care. Like we, we're just, we do what we do. We're very confident in like who we are and we're just going to be that way. Or you go the like pure football guy route. And I think that's DeBoer. Like, it's going to be different. You know, Nick Saban was often portrayed as, like, cranky and obsessively focused. And he was those things. But you watch some of his, like, appearances, his coaching shows. Like, he could go out and talk to people and relate to people. Uh, DeBoer might have a harder time with that. He's just more reserved. He's he's more Midwestern, <laughs> I guess, might be might be a way to put it. I, I, I very much understand where he's, he's coming from with that. But his ability to just make it about football, I think, will help him in with with that piece of it. And then last thought here before we get you out, we get to Gary Sharp. He's hanging out in the green room. What is your take on the, the stature of this Washington job as they move into the, the Big Ten? What type of job is this following up DeBoer now? You're kind of going to be in his shadow after he leads you to a college football playoff. What type of job is that? <laughs> Well, I mean, they've, they've got a history, so they've, they've made a couple of playoffs now, um, made it the national championship game this time. You, you've got a history of recent winning. It's a program that's won a national title or at least shared one. Um, the biggest thing, though, I think, is it's it's a program that's that's in the Big Ten. And we're already seeing the like the power to thing come. We all knew it was. Look at any of the way too early top 25s. They're like 80 percent. SEC or Big Ten. Uh, look at the hires made in the Big Ten this year for a Michigan State. Good program, down a bit, bruised. Um, gets gets Jonathan, Jonathan Smith, who is doing an amazing job at a hard place to win at Oregon State. Indiana pulls, I think, one of the coups of the carousel in, in getting Signetti from Indiana. I, in no way did I think they were going to land a coach like that. So I think we're seeing it. I think we're we're seeing the the impact of the Big Ten and the SEC just have such an inside track on those eleven playoff spots that guys that you wouldn't necessarily think of are are going to look hard when they've got an opportunity to get in either of those conferences. Bogues, tell folks about Counter Read. How can they subscribe? How can they get signed up? Yeah, you just visit us at counterread.com. That's our Substack newsletter from from myself and Aaron Sorensen. Um, we do two things, two paid things a week for for paid subscribers. You'll see some stuff on social from us, uh, other free newsletters to to let people get exposed to to what we're doing over there. But it's uh, we called it Counter Read for a reason. We're trying to run counter to uh, you know a little bit of the never ending news cycle and and, and really do some 
fewer stories, but really dig in and, and get get passionate about what we're what we're doing and what we're covering. Because uh, that's what Nebraska fans are, you know, uh, uh, it, with with all Husker sports. So that's kind of the short pitch. But uh, you can you can head over to counterread.com and, and check that out and just give us a give us a give us a follow and uh, you can see what that's all about. Bogues, appreciate you, brother. Thanks for all your insight and, and the time this morning. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Brandon.